It's the 11 Dubcast. I am, am a footballist Johnny Ginter. And I am in a deep depression Michael Citro. <laughs> uh, I mean, to be fair, so the really watchable football ended for us, really, on uh, the 1st of January, right? So, mm-hmm. yes, there was a national championship game last night, but it didn't really fall the way I wanted. I'm pretty sure it didn't fall the way you wanted. I don't think it counts. You don't think so? No, because Ohio State wasn't in it. Okay. I don't think it counts. Yeah. Well, if Piggly Wiggly, you know, recognizes it, then by all means, I think that's a legitimate national championship. Piggly Wiggly, huh? Piggly Wiggly. Okay. Yeah. Those are those are things, right? In the South. Uh so I Florida. hear. Yes. Yeah, so I hear. I don't. Okay. I I live in Florida. I don't believe I've ever seen a Piggly Wiggly, but maybe that's more in the the real Southern states. That's yeah. That's true. Florida really, I guess, isn't the the South. Per se, it's not. Nah, it's, it's in the South, but it's not the capital S South. I guess it's this weird offshoot of the entire world, really. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I think that's an apt descriptor. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. So we've got we've got some things going on. We can we can talk about an incredibly depressing loss against Indiana mm. for the men's basketball team. That was god awful. Um, uh, let's see. What else can we talk about? We can talk about. Um, Ohio teams in general just looking like complete butt the past weekend. We can talk about Alabama beating Clemson in the national championship. Tell you what, let's start off with that one. Let's start off with Alabama beating Clemson in the national championship. It's not Ohio State related, but mm-hmm. we should address it anyway. Yeah. How do you how do you feel? Do you have feelings on that game uh, last night? Well, you know, we've heard. Here's the thing: the the national pundits on Twitter who like to take people to task for. For things, you know, the the high and mighty, those yeah, the, the high and mighty uh, Dan Walkins of the world, people like that, who um, who just basically berate you for saying things like Clemsoning. Clemsoning isn't a thing anymore. Well, I think we saw that it's still pretty much a thing. Um, it's it's kind of a thing, but they, you know, they were still in the game. It's not like I they think they just completely the yeah. blew it. Yeah, here's here's when they blew it. Okay. They did a nice job to hold Alabama to a tying field goal at that one point in the game. And yes. then they just forget about the kickoff, and it's an onside one, and then they give up a touchdown. And the wheels kind of came off for a while before they righted the ship. And then they, right. you know, there was the, oh, here we are, we're back in the game, kick it off. Kickoff return for a touchdown. Yeah. Um, it just became this thing where no matter what they did, they couldn't, stop from making a mistake. Now, I think if you look at it, offense versus defense for the full 60 minutes, I think a case can be made that Clemson outplayed Alabama. Yeah. But well, they made, I, yeah. they made Alabama had some huge, huge yeah, plays. They made uh, seven, seven or eight mistakes, but every single one of them was catastrophic. Every single mistake <laughs> they made bit them in the form of points. Um, blown coverage against uh, a tight end, you know, he's, he's gone. Um, tight end, by the way, who had like what, like 200 yards plus of receiving yeah. in that game. I, you know what? Props to OJ Howard because he is a fast big man. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. I, I never got a sense that he was that fast. I mean, he, I think he had like two catches for 14 yards against Ohio State last year, mm-hmm. and he was just once he got a step, they couldn't catch him. Even their their defensive backs. Now I realize Clemson doesn't have SEC speed, but. <laughs> Right. You would think that they could run down a large man, but they could not. And and that was really their undoing. They they get back in the game late, and they've got Alabama in a third and long, and they try this weird kind of tight end screen, and they fail to tackle him. And next thing you know, it's a first and goal. Right. And and that to me, you know, I completely agree with you on the big plays. It did feel that for a large part of the game, um, you know, Clemson kind of had things out of control. They were doing what they needed to do, and then just Alabama would pull something out of their back pocket, you know, be it a crazy, you know, pass to a tight end or uh, Derrick Henry, like going on a, you know, a 50 yard John or an onside kick, whatever Alabama had an answer for pretty much everything that Clemson was throwing at them. What's interesting to me about that is it almost feels like what it must've been like to play against Ohio state in 2014, right? Where you've got to deal with just, just ridiculous things coming out of nowhere that you just seemingly have no answer for whatsoever. And you kind of know that you're, it's inevitable that you're kind of screwed. Um, yeah, it was, you know, I, as much as I hate giving Lane Kippen props, uh, he called a very good game offensively. Uh, Alabama's defense, you know, was not really keeping them in the game, honestly. Yeah. I mean, 
Clemson was definitely kind of teeing off in a certain respect, especially when, you know, their quarterback has over, you know, almost 500 yards of total offense. Uh, it really was up to Alabama's defense to carry the water for the team, and they did. So, you know, I don't like giving props to people I don't like, but I do have to give props to Saban and uh, Kiffin for really calling a hell of a game. And, and you know, it, it wasn't, uh, I think, as epic as some other national championship games, but I still think it was a pretty darn good game. It's it's pretty high up there, I think, in the, the pantheon. Well, you know, you, you look at it against this backdrop of bowl games that we had this year, and, oh, yeah. and it was... I can't remember a year when the bowl games were this lopsided all, all across the board. I mean, Ohio State, okay. Ohio State kind of won comfortably if you if you watch the game, and yet it was still one of the closer games that we've seen. <laughs> right. uh, and then you know it was a good, nice back and forth game last night, and that's what I wanted to see was a good game because I, I kind of knew. I mean, you kind of knew with with you know Nick Saban being Satan's right hand man that he was going to have all that he needed to win the game. <laughs> yeah, uh, he doesn't lose championship games, and. And honestly, if he was going to lose one, it would have been last night because, you know, Clemson had the upper hand several times and they just could not get out of their own way when they had the upper hand. And, and right. so, um, you know, I, people were bringing up the Clemsoning thing last night and I thought, yeah, they've won a lot of big games. So it's it's easy to say that that's gone, but this is the biggest game on the biggest stage and they had it. And for whatever reason, weird things happen like, Oh, there's a guy running completely unencumbered down the field with no one on him, and Jake. <laughs> some of yeah, some of those passes were hilariously open and should have never have happened. I, I just don't see that. I think the last time I've seen guys that open was when Ted Ginn was just flooring it by people back in the <laughs> right. day. But it, it was a good game, which is what I wanted to see. And um, you know, you want a team to earn it. You you don't want to have it handed to them. And I think that probably you have to say Alabama earned it. No, they absolutely did. And the other thing that I want to mention about um, just Clemson in general, I, I don't necessarily believe in like jinxes or any crap like that, but I do think that sometimes that can get in the head of a team, even in a you know very transitory kind of sport like college football, right, where, where kids are constantly recycling and, and not recycling, but moving through a system. Mm -hmm. uh, I still think that can get into your head and... You know, Clemson was undefeated going to this game. It's not like they, you know, had a game that they blew earlier in the season and maybe they're regressing to that point. Like, they were always pretty steady, pretty good throughout the entire season. I just think Alabama was better. And I, I think that, you know, I really believe that, that that onside kick was the complete turning point of that game, right? Yeah. Like, if, if that's unsuccessful and Clemson recovers, I think Clemson probably goes down and scores, and then that puts the game totally away. Oh, yeah, it was, but, it was an incredibly uh, ballsy call for the time of the game. But, but it was a perfectly timed call, too, and I agree with you. It was a super ballsy call, but if you're going to make that call, that's exactly the time in the game that you do it. And that's, I think, what makes it a little bit predictable, right? Like, they should have had guys kind of aware that, you know, maybe Saban was going to try to go for that, but... You know, you've got to give Alabama credit, like we've been saying. I mean, it was it was definitely a really well played, well planned game, and it's going to be interesting to see how Alabama deals with the loss of Kirby Smart. Now, I mean, that's a guy who's been a coordinator there for a very, very long time, mm -hmm. had a lot of success, and while I do think that Alabama's defense has fallen off in the past couple of years, um, <laughs> clearly it hasn't <laughs> impacted them that much because they've won four national championships in seven years. So. They do whatever they want, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Um, I uh, I think that um, you're, you're right about that onside kick. The, the timing of it, when they had to settle for a field goal, you knew that had to sit really badly with with Saban. It's like, oh, oh we, had yeah. to, we had to tie it. And right. so that's exactly when I would have been like, okay, guys, watch for the onside kick. But <laughs> it's, it's so easy to say that because there's so much going on on the sideline. Sure. There's so many things to track. So it, it was – I'm glad it was a good game, like I said, and, you know, I hate the fact that the, the you know, socialist SEC, we won again kind of thing will, will live <laughs> on, and, and it would have been nice to go another year without an SEC championship, but... It, it, it would have been nice, but I do think it's important also maybe to note that, that Alabama, I think, is the only SEC team that had a prayer in that national championship. Uh just in the playoffs in general. I think those were four pretty good quality teams, maybe less Michigan State. But 
I don't think that the SEC is top to bottom nearly as good as they've been. And, I, and obviously there's been a lot made about the, you know, the divisions and, and the way that's played out because obviously one division is much stronger than the others. Yeah. Um, you know, when you've got your – is Florida in the East, I think? Florida's in the East, yeah. They were the East champion, right. and it was They're the East champion, and they joke. get completely blown out by Michigan, right? Like, Michigan just, just chokes the life out of them. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I I don't like to get into the conference thing, because as a Big Ten fan, I'm obviously kind of a conference agnostic, because I really just dislike most of the other teams in our conference. But, um, you know, I, I think some fans who are kind of like, well, man, it's rough knowing Ohio State, you know, could have been there, maybe give these teams a game. Win at home, dude. Like, win at home. Yeah. That's all you got to do, and and you would have been in it. So I don't really shed a lot of tears for the team. It, it is maybe an opportunity missed, but I'm looking forward to next year. Uh, we've got all these guys who have just pieced out, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, that was that maybe the other huge story here that we've touched on a little bit, but, you know, basically what you're losing, I don't know, 17 starters, however many starters. You're going to have, like, four dudes coming back, basically. All of uh, the starters. <laughs> no. Yeah, um, and look – I, I'm excited for that. I'm actually really, really excited to see how JT Barrett, seasoned veteran, right, at that point, yeah. um, is kind of going to take on that leadership role. That is going to be truly his team next year, and I think that's actually going to be really, really, really fun to watch. I'm, I'm really excited to see that. Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier today about, you know, coming on the show and, and talking about this. It's it's fun because, you know, last year was so unexpected, and everything just kind of came together in a perfect storm at the end of the season. And this year, we knew and we wrote about it, we talked about it, how it wasn't going to be as fun because of the weight of the expectations and the fact that right. anything less than, you know, college football playoff, uh, you know, final game and all that it would, would be a disappointment. And, right. and it was, it, you know, it's so hard to, to beat teams badly. And when everybody expects you to do it and everybody's giving you their best game, it's really, really hard to do it. And so we kind of moped our way through the season, even though we were winning. And, <laughs> and you and I tried to sort of keep that positive uh, attitude up. Like I remember back in the Hawaii game, where we were like, Oh, we're not going to sweat like a 30, 38, nothing win or whatever. You know? Right. Um, but it was always that thing where you just had to avoid the pitfall and when you're waiting well it's the weight of expectations right it's it's like you have to basically play against yourself every game because you're always playing against an idealized version of the team that you have Mm -hmm. and given the way that I, i think in retrospect if you look at the way that um urban meyer and company handled the quarterbacking situation they handled it really poorly that's an f that's an f minus for what they did they should have picked a dude and and gone with it um they didn't and and i think both quarterbacks were were worse off for that and i think the team overall was worse off for that now did that impact their performance in the michigan state game i don't think so but i also think that you know that caused a lot of the anxiety and maybe the the lack of excitement that maybe people had for some of the earlier games because you're just like constantly worrying about what it's going to look like um i also think that you mismanaged maybe the you know the offensive coordinator situation a little bit i think warner uh, moving to the booth should have happened many, many, many games before it did. Sure, yeah. But that's that's part of feeling it out. It's I mean, easy to say doing... that in hindsight. It's easy. To... Yeah. You it, think exactly. everything is good, and you go right. into it, and you think, okay, well, we just need to make a few changes, and 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 as you go, you try to make those tweaks, and then then you do something, and and then it's like everybody goes, oh, it's so obvious now what you should have yeah. done. But you know, well, and I think we also underestimated how large of a. a whole Tom Herman was leaving right in the yeah, coaching staff. Yeah. I think that was an enormous loss and it, it did take the staff a little while to, I think to, to accommodate and to, to overcome there's that, always you know? that. And there's, and there's the leadership that you lose, you lose a, you know, an Evan Spencer and you lose right. a Michael Bennett. And you know, that's not something that is natural to some people, even if they're upperclassmen, that, that they're not necessarily the same kind of leaders. Right. And and so, you know, again, the team, if we're doing a postmortem, you know, the team underachieved in the sense that they didn't win a national championship, I guess. It finished fourth uh, <laughs> in the country, and it's a bad yeah. year. Right. You know, and that's and that's how spoiled uh, Ohio State fans as a fan base really are. And that's okay. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm very happy to be spoiled, but it definitely is, it puts things in perspective. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
because it is nice to basically assume that you're going to win at least 10 games every single year, and if you don't, it's a travesty, and you're going to be super upset. Yeah. So, you know, someone needs to be fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and, and look, like, I was calling uh, Michigan fans out earlier this week. Somebody actually tweeted at me, um, you know, because I made fun of Michigan fans who were kind of crowing about, Ohio State losing all these, you know, juniors like, oh, blood in the water, we're going to be great because our opponent is bad, which is such a horrible, reductive way to think. But uh, they're like, you know, why do you ever call Ohio State fans out? I'm like, I call Ohio State fans out all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Because we're obnoxious and loud and have super unrealistic expectations for everything. But that's what makes, I think, Ohio State fans unique and actually really fun to kind of like write about and to be around because it's it's such an investment. And again, yes, I think this season was a success, but there's so, so many people who wouldn't necessarily say the same thing. And that's to me really like, I love that. I think I absolutely love that about Ohio State. So can fans. I tell it's you cool. why, why I'm looking so forward to next year? Yes. Why? Okay. So I, I wrote this story today about the, the similarities between the 2005 and 2015. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. You know, you know, you you have a couple stumbles. You end up in the Fiesta Bowl where you beat Notre Dame handily. Notre Dame led by an unlikable coach both times. Um, <laughs> you you lose. That's a good question. I'm gonna tell you what. Let's say I'm gonna put that in my back pocket for a little. You lose later. a yeah. ton of guys to the NFL, and like in 2005, they lost. They had nine guys drafted, including all three linebackers and three quarters of the the defensive backfield. Yes. You've got a year coming back. You've got your star quarterback coming back both times. And last time this happened, they just went to the national championship game is all. <laughs> right. So uh... and the other the other part of it, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily going to happen this time, but the other part of that is with all these guys that are gone, I'm almost thinking that, that Urban Meyer is going to have to go like what Thad Mata is doing now and giving a lot of guys playing time. So that right. he can see who, if, if anybody's going to clearly claim a spot. And I, I, I've talked about this. I think the or chart next year is going to be off the charts. It's going to be every <laughs> single one is going to be like this guy or this guy or this guy or this guy because yeah. there's so much young talent on this team, and it'll be fun to see more of these guys on the field. I, I really think that next year has a chance to be that, you know, that year where it's like, you know, the, he's changing defensive lines on every play. That kind of thing. Right. And that's that's either going to be really exciting or like completely maddening, right? <laughs> yeah. Like that's either going to be really fun to watch or you're just going to want to punch yourself in the face like every week. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, again, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, because it's the when expectations are low, uh your ability to be surprised, I think is is much greater. And and that's great. I I like that a lot. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be fun. Um, let's talk about something a little more depressing, I guess, oh. uh, which is uh, Ohio State basketball just getting completely boat raced by Indiana uh, a few days ago. Um, what happened? Well, <laughs> what the hell was that? I'll tell you one thing that happened. I turned off my TV early, which I <laughs> I never do that. I I yeah. really even when the team's getting killed, I never do, I do that for basketball. I will do that for. I will not do that for football. I will do that for basketball. Here's when I turned it off. Okay, it was it was right before the half, and mm. Ohio State was already getting pounded, and there was a play where I think Indiana took an outside shot, and there was none of them under the basket. There were four Buckeyes there. The ball bounces yeah. up, and some guy had come out of nowhere and got the rebound and put it up, and he missed. And then another guy <laughs> came flying in from outside the three point line and got the rebound. And when they showed the replay of that, and I'm looking at guys like Mark Loving who are just standing there ball watching. And right. like, if one guy just puts a body between himself and a defender, it's an easy rebound. But no one's even putting any effort forth. And I know it's once you get to that point, you're so, you're so shell shocked that you know maybe you're not thinking and maybe you're not reacting how you normally would. But that mm-hmm. effort against that freaking Tom Crean face just just drove me past the, the breaking point. I had to just turn the turn the thing off. Or risk breaking everything in my house. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was a garbage effort on the part of Ohio State. Um, you know, look, it, my perspective on this is this is what you're going to get with a young team. They yeah. were on a nice little winning streak there, right? You know, they're they doing some good. They they beat Kentucky. That looked awesome. They went on the road and gutted out a couple games, and I think they were feeling good about themselves. And then I think 
they ran into a team where they can't really just be cool and, and awesome and they got their butts kicked. And, and that's fine uh, for this team, right? Yeah. I, for any other team, I think you have a more experienced, uh, more professional team with some more upperclassmen. That's not acceptable. No. For a team with this many freshmen, for a team with this little college uh, basketball experience, I'm willing to forgive a couple games like this, uh, even if it is like one of the worst losses in Thad Mata's tenure. Um, I'm willing to forgive a little bit of this simply because it seemed to me not necessarily a talent thing. It just seemed like a complete effort, a lack of effort, not you know blocking, blocking or boxing out, not doing the things defensively, especially that they really mm-hmm. needed to do. Um, and not really running an offense against a team that had, I think, no. something like 142nd ranked defense in the in the nation or something right. like that. Um, I mean, you had one guy basically out there doing everything. Yeah, right? yeah, and I just don't. You can. This is okay if if Indiana beat us, it's okay. If Indiana, if this game ends up beating them two, three times, then that's not okay. Like they have to get it. Like just forget about it. Like don't even watch the tape on this one. And just move on and go on to the next game because see I'm of the opinion that they should have to watch the tape on a loop for like <laughs> a long time. <laughs> All right, maybe they watch it and then they like do some the ceremonial bury it in the yard thing or something. But <laughs> the bottom line is you can't let this affect more than one game. You you have to yeah. in a young team you have to worry about that because that that kind of thing can shake your confidence so bad that maybe you go on a four or five game losing streak and this team can't really afford to have that happen. No, absolutely not. They they definitely need to get back in. I mean, Jaquan Lyle, like, you know, I just pulled up the stats again just to, to make sure I, I remember this correctly. Jaquan Lyle had 29 points. Uh, I don't, like, <laughs> he had almost half the entire team's points yeah. by himself. They had 18 like, at halftime, which <laughs> I'm, I could probably That's find stupid. four pretty good players at the rec center that could score 18, you know. Well, here's the thing. And the, Jaquan Lyle... Like, what, what is hilarious to me is Jaquan Lyle was not taking just a 1,000 garbage shots. Jaquan Lyle had an excellent game, okay? He was, you know, at free throws aside, he was 11 for 20 from the field, eight rebounds, three assists. The dude played his butt off. Everyone else around him was just garbage, like straight human garbage. And, like, I, I can't imagine how frustrating it must be, especially as a freshman, to just be like, come on, guys, we got to get up for this. Let's go. And everybody's kind of like, ah, but it's cold and I'm tired. You know, I just want to get my trillion and go home. My feet hurt. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I, they've got a chance to rebound against Rutgers uh, coming up here tomorrow night. I expect that they will, Rutgers, as far as I'm Aware, I'm not an expert on Rutgers basketball, but I think they should be beatable. They're bad. Um, they're they're pretty bad. So uh, I, I think that's definitely an opportunity for a rebound game. And, and Thad Mata is, I've heard, a decent coach. So that's yeah, kind of good. I yeah. So I expect them to come out and, and play much better. I mean, you can tell that this team can be very invested in games. It's not like there's a lot of personality issues, I think, that have started to emerge. I, I just think it was a game where they, they took it for granted. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to happen to you in the Big Ten, even against a team that isn't awesome. I mean, Indiana's not a bad team, but they're certainly not like world beaters at this point. Um, so they got eaten alive. That's okay. They just have to make sure that doesn't happen again for the rest of the year. Yeah. And I'll be happy. So uh, moving on, we do have uh, an Ask Us Anything question. And, and I have to emphasize to all you listeners out there, for the love of God, please send us Ask Us Anything question. Please. And uh, in, in the long, dark, cold that is the off season. It is currently 8 degrees in Columbus, Ohio, and the only thing that is going to keep me warm are Ask Us Anything questions. And you know you have uh, questions. You don't oh, know yeah. every damn thing, so ask us. <laughs> you think you're so smart. <laughs> you don't have all the answers. That's our job. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so we got one question here. This is from uh, our very consistent friend Alvin, uh, Asian Buckeye, I believe, on uh, Eleven Warriors. By the way, you can you can send us a question uh, by emailing us to uh, dubcast at elevenwarriors.com or hitting us up on Twitter at eleven dubcast. So Alvin says uh, Thad traditionally likes to keep a short bench, but this year he has played a lot more guys. Uh, what are your thoughts about Thad's deep bench and current rotations, i.e. A.J. Harris should start at the point with Lyle at the two? What do you think about that? Well, I think that this is a year where he needs to use everybody. And yeah. he doesn't really still, even at this point in the season, know what he's got. And right. it's it's not going to happen this year, so you need to kind of – he needs to set up for the, you know next year and the year after. 
So let's find mm-hmm. out who can play. And, and quite frankly, I love those teams that it's a different guy every night. Um, for, the, right. for the NBA, like for example, for in, my NBA team is the Boston Celtics because I played for the Celtics at the YMCA as a six-year-old of all okay. of all reasons. But Fair they're enough. one of those teams that every night you never know which guy is going to come up and, and come up big and, and, and try to lead the team. And I think that's how this Ohio State team is. Now, I think we saw the potential of Jaquan Lyle, but I don't think that in college basketball, I don't think teams are healthy to have teams like we had last year where it's one guy doing everything. I, I love to see. Oh, no. I yeah, I completely agree with that. that. You know, one night's like, oh, this guy just doesn't have it. So he plugs someone else in and he, and he you know, takes off. And right. as far as the other part of it, I'd like to see more of Harris and Lyle together. I don't think Lyle is a natural. To me, he doesn't look like a natural point guard. There's a lot of weird sort of. Um, Does the team have one? Plays. Do you think? I, I think Harris is a natural point guard. I kind of. Okay. I, I think he. And, but I just don't know that Harris has at this point the ability to go long minutes. So right. Well, that's kind of what I'm saying, right? Like I don't think I, when I think point guard, I think like four general, right? And I just don't know that he's there yet. Um, I mean, granted, I mean he looked awful. I like I all played. kinds. I like all kinds of combinations with this group. Okay. With this group of, of players, I really like experimenting with different combinations to find the one that that is going to click on that night. And I think that that's something that Thad can do this year and play around with and. I really yeah. like what Cam Williams, you know, brings to the table because he seems like he's a much smarter player this year, and he's he's really shooting well from outside the arc. And uh, I, you know, it it makes such a difference when you got a guy outside the arc who you're not worried about it when he throws it up. <laughs> right. Well, that's what's interesting about that, right? Like they don't have a they, they've got a lot of guys who can shoot the three, right? Yeah. But they don't necessarily have a dedicated three ball guy, which I think makes it interesting because. You know, let's say he does find a rotation where okay, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have an outside presence heavy guy, you know, rotation at this point and just see what, you know who lights it up. Versus the other great thing about I think the the lineup as it stands is they have a lot of um, you know guys who can play in the paint and, and bang around a little bit. Yeah. And whereas in previous year they've had zero, right? So even if a lot of these guys you know may not be giving you heavy heavy points, you know, I mean Trevor Thompson has got like six points a game or something like that. Um, I, I still think that you have a, an interesting uh, a lot, things that you can do with in terms of alignments, like you said, uh, just because of the sheer options available to you and the skill sets of the players that are there. I really like, I, like, I honestly, I mean, I don't know, I'm, I'm probably overestimating his capabilities, but I like Daniel Giddens. I, I think he's going to be a really interesting player, and I also like Trevor Thompson a lot. Like, I just, I, I like a dude who is that usually that aggressive. Um, you know, in the paint and, and willing to go in there and, and block shots and stuff like that. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, I, I like be- Thompson a lot. He's, uh, I think it was Adam Jardy who said on Twitter that Thompson on the year is like plus 101 or something like that. On the <laughs> pretty on, good, yeah. And then Giddens was like good. Giddens was like plus I think 29 or 39 or something like that. And yeah. you know, if the guy could hit a free throw to save his life, he'd be much higher on that. Because, <laughs> well, right, and and that's been an issue for Thad Mata's teams for a while. Yeah, uh, where they have not shot uh, those free throws as, as probably as well as they should. Um, all right, so hopefully, uh, Alvin, that that answers your questions a little bit. Uh, again, that's ask us anything. Please continue to to ask us anything. We we love answering questions and, and feeling important. Did we so, tell them how they could do that? Yes, we did. Uh, so you guys, again, just to remind you, you can hit us up on Twitter at 11dubcast, or uh, you can send us an email, uh, dubcast at um, 11warriors.com. So that'd be great. Please do that. All right, joining us tonight, we are very lucky to have uh, number one punter in the country, Ohio State recruit, Drew Chrisman, LaSalle High School. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Yeah, talking me up like that, and uh sounds <laughs> impressive, but uh, in the end, I mean, I just kick a ball. <laughs> Hey man, it's look, look. Okay, I, I think you probably are well aware of the implications of being a kicker at Ohio State. But for people who might be new to the bandwagon, you have to understand like kicking is king, right? Like I love every aspect of every kicking game that we've ever had, even when it was terrible. Because I grew up right like with Jim Tressel, and everything related to Jim Tressel, I basically worship at the feet. Of and because of that, I love the kicking game. I think it's an incredibly interesting aspect of the game. And I guess one of the things that I wanted to ask you first was, yeah. okay, right now we've got the rugby guy. We've got you know Cam Johnson, who's, Cam, who's yeah. kind of got his own style, uh, Australian uh-huh. rules uh, football there. And 
what is your kicking style? Does it differ from that? Can you tell us a little about the sweet science of punting? Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, um, yeah. Cameron, he does his own thing, that rugby rollouts. Um, you know, he gets that back spin. He can, he can hit field goals from four yards away off the side, and, and he's accurate as <laughs> nothing. I mean, he grew up kicking a ball. Right. I think they said that he can uh, kick a ball to a guy better than he can throw it, which I wouldn't believe it. <laughs> so I wouldn't doubt it a bit. But, uh, yeah, my style is definitely more the uh, traditional uh, professional style. Like you see, you know, they catch the ball, walk, basically just forward two steps and then just let the thing fly. Hopefully get that ball to turn over in, uh, you know, 50, 60 yards and nice five-second hang time. Um, right. But I, um, but they do love they do love Cameron and his style like that. So, um, yeah, it would be nice to uh, train under him and learn that while I'm – while I'm there and hopefully still be able to implement that because uh, with that style, the blocking scheme that Coach Myers put into the punt team, they can block just about any any uh, kind of uh, pass, any kind of punt rush they're bringing. So it'd just be nice to add that to my inventory. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm more the traditional straight leg and boom it. So, sorry to interrupt, but what, what led you to the punting game? I mean, what kind of got you into the, like, I'm going to kick the hell out of balls, like, just, <laughs> and it's going to be great. Well, believe it or not, I used to be a quarterback. Um, okay, right on. Yeah, you know yeah, what? I read I, an article where they were talking about like fake punts that that might be incorporated a little bit yeah, more into. Yeah, the I, I can work the old cannon a little bit. I might be able to chuck it uh, <laughs> about fifty yards or so still. Um, there but, you go. So yeah, I, I went into high school um, planning on being the quarterback. Um, my freshman year, though, I was reaching out for a ball, and the guy landed on my arm and hyperextended it. And uh, oh, wow. that tore the same tendon as this, like a baseball player, the Tommy John surgery. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Right, yeah, absolutely. So I had to get surgery my freshman year. And uh, basically, since I couldn't throw the ball, um, I just decided to start kicking it and uh, found out that I was uh, pretty good at it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, clearly. I mean, it's that's – I would say – I mean, again, it's, it's a vastly underrated part of the game. And maybe some of the people who are – listening to my enthusiasm for talking about punting and kicking the ball may not quite appreciate it. And I think what I want to ask you is what do you say to people who maybe don't believe that this is uh, as vital or as interesting as an aspect of the game as I believe it is. And, and maybe, maybe my enthusiasm is a little more <laughs> than the average person's, but, but why is it such uh, I would say, uh, I don't want to say like an intricate, but it's something that requires practice and skill and thought. And what about that makes it more difficult than maybe people might think? Well, I always like to say, you know, partner are people too. Um, it's a, <laughs> I'd say it's the uh, biggest player of the game, you know. You look at any of the stats, uh, you know, I average more yards per play than just about any other player. So um, right. I, I always like to bring that up. Um, but, no, I mean, it's a very vital part of the game. I mean, Sure, I can say that I'm the punter. <laughs> Other people might have different views, but, um, you know, pin them, in, pin them inside their 20, hopefully inside like a 10 or 5. I mean, the statistics, they have them up there at Ohio State, they'll tell me. I mean, it's very few, very uh, very seldom, if they're starting from their own, like, 5-yard line, the other team is going to be able to drive down and score. Um, so they, that's why uh, Coach Meyer basically, I mean, he, he had coaches and then, his baby's the punt team. That's basically the only other thing he does. So, right. I mean, you know, if the head coach is taking that amount of time on one thing, you know, it's it's a pretty big deal. Um, that was also that's one of the bigger reasons why I like that Coach Meyer taking that much authoritative decision on the punt team. So, so let me ask you this: Have you uh, acquainted yourself with the Ohio State specialist um, on Twitter at all? <laughs> oh, I love him. Um, yeah, they. I don't know who runs it, but they do a heck of a job. <laughs> My biggest concern. So I, I really love the the profiles they've done of everybody. Um, and, yeah, and kind of yeah. the Special skills, like for instance, I believe uh, it might be Liam, the, the long snapper, can almost bench 185. So that's pretty great. Um, what is what is your special skill as a punter? You what know, do you bring to the I'm not sure yet. I'm I'm kind of uh, scared, but also um, kind of interested to see what my player profile is going to look like. <laughs> um, I have a feeling I'm not going to be too a part of what they're going to say, but it's it, I'm sure it's going to be a good one. 
so here's the thing. So you you attended the uh, the Army game, the uh, the re, you know the annual kind of recruit bowl there. How was that? How was that experience? Can you talk about that a little bit and, oh, and maybe uh, the people you kind of met? Oh yeah, it was oh it was wonderful. I, I wish I was back there still. Nothing, if not more than just having that weather kind of send down you come back and uh, snows on the ground. It's a little different feeling than down there, but uh, but no, it, it was a great experience. Best week of my life so far, without a doubt. Um, especially having other other Ohio State commits down there. I think there were five of us down there. And uh, just having that and just being a part of something bigger than yourself, um, you know, playing for the Army. Or, I mean, it was, just, it was just an awesome experience and all the stuff that I got to do. And, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was awesome. You know, I, so here's the thing about that. It, it's interesting to me how recruits kind of network. Like, I'm, you know, I'm almost 31. Like, I'm an older guy. At least I feel like an older guy. <laughs> and yeah. when I was in high school, like – you know, texting was 25 cents a text if you had a cell phone, you know, I'd be broke. Right. Like, like I'm also a high school teacher. I love telling my students that like that cracks me up ever, like their reaction to that every time I say that. Um, but I, I guess the biggest thing that I want to ask you about with regards to that is how do these recruits communicate with each other? How often does that occur? Are you kind of involved with that? Like asking guys like, Hey man, check out Ohio state. It's awesome. Or is that maybe kind of an overblown aspect of the whole recruiting game? Are you talking about, like, guys were one? Yeah, well, just people, yeah, kind of players recruiting other players. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't say I'd go out of my way to go talk to somebody, but, I mean, the guys that were down there, I know there were a couple guys we were trying to get. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I was just being myself, and, uh, you know, there's no other person I'd, I could be. And, uh, you know, joking around, chuckling with them. I mean, I can have a lot of jokes in my, under my sleeve being a punter. Um, that always gets them. <laughs> that always gets them going. But uh, yeah, I don't know. just hanging out with the guys is creating a bond. I think I don't think there is any other better way to recruit somebody. Um, just having a friend, basically. Cool. Uh, so okay. So I was. This is maybe another thing. You were recruited, I believe, by uh, BYU, Florida State. I think Kentucky was in there. UCLA. Uh, I you know I was kind of reading um, earlier today, or maybe it was last night, about Jim Harbaugh who was also recruiting a, a kicker and I think he wanted to spend the night over at the guy's house. Um, I'm pretty sure that he wanted to like basically, you know, be conjoined twin with the dude. Like, can you, yeah. Like without naming any names or anything like that, can you maybe uh, tell us like maybe one of the crazier recruiting stories that you've come across? I mean, crazier. Um, yeah. I've to heard you, some pretty some... crazy stories. Um, but all in all, I mean, my recruiting process was very professional. I mean, I went I went and visited the places, and while I was down there, I got to hang out with the specialists. And, I mean, I don't know if it's because I'm a punter or a kicker, but, I mean, nobody's <laughs> offered me girls or anything like that, uh, <laughs> which, I, which I have heard. Um, that's for sure. But uh, right. yeah, no cook is wanting to come sleep in my bed with me or anything <laughs> like that. I don't know what – I haven't heard that, but. Um, so was Kerry, yeah. I heard that Kerry Combs was uh, kind of your primary um, contact guy with Ohio State. Is that is that true? Yeah, yeah, Kerry. Kerry's contact. He, he knows that he's been around the area. Yeah, he was the first one. So how did that go? I mean, because Kerry definitely has a uh, a big time um, like reputation as being like a really wild kind of crazy guy. Oh yeah, but that if you know Kerry, you know <laughs> you know he's he's a little he's a little crazy, but that's why people love him. Um, but it was just awesome that, um, when we did visit, my parents got to meet with them and, um, they were just very comfortable with them. They felt like, uh, I wouldn't say he was going to like baby me or anything, but he was definitely going to be kind of like a parent up there, kind of keep me in line. So which my parents really liked, really liked about him in that way. Um, uh, but no, he's just, he's just a great guy. Very fiery. I'm sure but he's going to be my ear a lot. <laughs> I'm going to get to right. him a lot, but, uh. But no, he's a great coach, and uh, he's got a great track record with putting guys in the NFL and making them really great players. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to work with him. So, you know, maybe one of the other things I want to ask is that we just had the national championship game, which I'm sure you watched. Um, yeah. Does that have as big of an effect? I mean, the we talk to players sometimes, you know, who are recruits, and you've obviously already made your decision, but uh, we talk to players and we ask them, 
you know, what is the bigger factor? Is it wanting to play on that big stage? Is it the connections that you make with the coaches? Is it the opportunity at the school itself? You know, depending like, you know, if you want to go to business school or something like that, uh, yeah. what for you was maybe the largest factor in, in choosing Ohio State? Well, the biggest factor with me was just the comfortability of it, you know, being close to home. Um, you know, the national championship, that didn't hurt. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> right. Um, you know, playing on a good team, everyone, everybody wants to be a winner. And if you have a chance to be a part of that, um, you know, a lot of people would have taken that opportunity. But, uh, I mean, no, they have great academics. Um, I'm sure anywhere I would have gone would, would have had the, uh, the same. Um, but, yeah, just the comfortability of it. I mean, growing up in Cincinnati, being two hours away, having your parents and friends be able to, come watch the game and go home for maybe a home-cooked meal every now and then. Uh, you know, just feel it at home, and you just don't get more comfortable at home. So, yeah, that was a big factor. Right on. Well, so last question I want to ask you, and this is, you know, again, a kind of a selfish question for myself because, again, <laughs> I, I just enjoy just kicking the crap out of things. But well, <laughs> best best punt you've ever punted, what is what is your all-time favorite punt that you've ever, ever just unleashed onto the world? My favorite punt. Um, shoot. Um, I've had a lot of boomers. Um, (laughs) but be honest, my, uh, so going back to, you know, I had said I had surgery and everything. It was my, uh, freshman year. We were going against kind of our rivals. Um, it was, was, yeah, it was my freshman year still. And so I just got in surgery and, um, so I'm sitting on the sideline a couple games and I'm just watching the guys and my coach, it was the last game of the season. Um, we were playing Elder, which is another GCL school, and they're kind of our rivals. Yeah, actually, I actually went to uh, Fenwick. Oh, okay. So yeah, you know all about that. Oh yeah. And um, so I couldn't, I couldn't play quarterback, and you know, I was just playing on the sideline. And right before my game, uh, my coach, he's like, you know, Drew, because um, I was putting, I was putting for the freshman team too. He's like, well, you can't throw. Do you want to go out there and uh, and, and punt? <laughs> and I was like. Sweet, yeah. So I went inside, uh, got on my pads real quick before the game, and um, I only had one punt that game. But uh, I mean, I, I I got a hold of it, got pretty high in the. Uh, I, I guess the freshmen just weren't used to used to it. He 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 bobbled it. Um, we we were able to uh, recover it, and uh, we went on to win the game. And Excellent. so that was the kind of the first game I've ever really. I mean, solely the only thing I had to do was punt. Right. And, uh, it was a good feeling, yeah. <laughs> never well, looked, and you never looked back. Though, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> uh, well, tell you what, Drew, uh, we're really happy to have you on board, uh, Ohio State. Um, I mean, you sound like quality dude, and, and honestly, you know, punting is winning. And as you said so eloquently, punters are people, too. So, you know, that's right. So we appreciate you having you on. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing you on the field on Saturdays, man. All right, sweet. Thanks, Johnny. And that is the 11 Dubcast. We have waxed poetic on many things, but I really want to thank uh, Drew Christman for coming on. And, and I'm sorry, Michael, you couldn't join us. We had some technical issues. It was a little weird. I but, am bummed. Uh, I'm sure Jim Trestle is disappointed in me for not getting to talk to a punter. <laughs> I have yeah. so many punting questions. I did Well, when you hear it, I promise you, I, I, I am so enthusiastic about punters. I love watching punters. I will never – oh, my God. My <laughs> – my favorite punting uh, moment in the past couple of years, at least my fa- maybe one of my favorite plays that I've witnessed in person in the past couple of years, was this punt that uh, Cam uh, Cameron Johnson uh, dropped against Indiana, and I remember it so vividly. I was sitting in the stands in the uh, I think the East stands, like an A deck. Uh, we got some really sweet uh, tickets. And I remember watching this punt, and I think he must have kicked like a 50 or 55-yard punt. When it and just died on the one-yard line? It just died. It yeah, looked like somebody yeah. shot it out of the air. Like, like <laughs> oh, my God. I I love that punt. I was, like, screaming so loudly when that, that happened. My, that was in my plays of the year for that year. Oh, my God. That was such a good punt. Um, so, look, I love punting. Punting is amazing. Kicking is amazing. Punting is winning. Far. It is, and as as Drew would um, as Drew would emphasize, to you guys punters are people too, and they deserve the props that they get. So uh, <laughs> make that a hashtag, put it on a shirt. Let's let's get that one. Punters' going. lives matter. Hashtag That's punters' just, lives matter. Maybe, maybe not that. Okay, uh, but let's go with punters are people too, because <laughs> I believe in it. 
Uh, anyway, guys, uh, guy, person, I don't know. I'm tired. I'm getting, I'm getting loopy. Uh, let me ask you one last question here, Michael. Okay. All right. So we kind of touched on this earlier, and I was like, that is such a good idea for a final question. I'm going to ask it. What was more, and I guess maybe we kind of touched on this a little bit before the Fiesta Bowl, but what is more satisfying, beating uh, the loathsome toad that is uh, Charlie Weiss or beating the the purple rage monster that is uh, Brian Kelly? You know, they both have their charms, for sure. Um, yeah. The cool thing about beating Weiss is that that game wasn't really close. Even It was even a few scores, even though Ohio State turned the ball over three times. Right. It was just like, we can do whatever we want, and unless we stop ourselves, you have no chance. Um, it wasn't quite that easy. Uh, it was started out that easy uh, against Brian Kelly until the refs decided that, that Joey Bosa wasn't allowed to play anymore, and then it kind of changed the game <laughs> a little bit. And I'm not saying that it was or wasn't. Uh, no, I know. I, know. I don't want to get into that again. We already talked about yeah. that. But yes. um, once Bosa left the game, it sort of got Notre Dame going a little bit, and that was that – was, Really, the only I I really wanted to see him go full on. um, Was it Veruca Salt from the uh, the Willy Wonka movie? Um, You know, turned into the blueberry. Was that who it was? Is that Veruca Salt? I I know that's the name of a band, right? Yeah, Veruca Salt was a was a a Willy Wonka character. I don't know. Is that that the girl who wanted everything? She wanted it now. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the one that turned into the blueberry. Somebody, one of our readers, can correct me, but the one that, that blew up and turned into a blueberry. I wanted to see that. Yeah, that's Tyler. Veruca yeah. is the one who was the bad. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm confusing my Willy Wonka character. It's been a while since I've seen that. But how dare you? Uh, it's been a tough week for me, Johnny. It's <laughs> been sorry. a very tough week. In fact, you know, I've been kind of it's a tough week for me too, buddy. I've been just I'm a Bengals fan. I'm as, as a David Bowie fan. It's been a tough week for me. Oh yeah, same yeah, same there, man. So um, yeah, but I wanted them to see Brian Kelly turn that color, and I think they were close to doing that. If they got one more touchdown in the first quarter, I think it would have been full on purple Kelly. Uh, yeah, but I, you know what, I agree with you on that. I I think that uh, the lack of Brian Kelly just completely losing his mind made it not as fun. Yeah. As as I kind of hoped, and, and I really do not like Charles or. Well, I don't like either of them as a person, but I really don't like Brian Kelly as a person. Mm-hmm. So I really kind of wanted him to just completely just lose it on the sidelines while Urban Meyer stands there just, you know, smugly grinning. Uh, but Charlie Weiss, Charlie Weiss is probably definitely, I, I think probably definitely, he's definitely the the answer for me, mostly because of the hype that was built up around Charlie Weiss prior to that Fiesta Bowl, where, you know, the deciding schematic advantage really, yeah. <laughs> they, they pumped the crap out of that. And to see him just kind of at a complete loss for how to handle Ohio State was really, really satisfying, especially when Jim Tressel is your coach, right? Yeah. Because Jim Tressel is just not traditionally thought of a person who will out-scheme anybody. And the fact that they just were just, just body blows in Notre Dame the entire game was, was pretty hilarious. Yeah, he treated them almost as harshly as he treated Northwestern. <laughs> um, when you know, yeah. you remember that time. That's another. Yeah, Northwestern yeah, upset do. Ohio State that one year, and from that point on, Tressel was just all-out war with Northwestern. <laughs> Jim Tressel's inexplicable hatred—not inexplicable, but just outright hatred for Northwestern. I actually, I think I wrote an article way back in the day about that. Uh, Jim Tressel, I believe, after that upset, the average—I think he played them like four or five times after that upset. And the average score was something like fifty-two <laughs> to fourteen. Like he took out all there were, of his. There, there were glorious, hatred. glorious games. It was like, oh, do we have yeah. do we have a five touchdown lead? Well, here's a halfback pass for a touchdown. <laughs> Suck on right. that, Northwestern. Right. Uh, which is just, I, I like that. Uh, even Jim Trestle can be enormously petty and mean <laughs> from time to time. Yeah. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. And and I I don't know. Maybe Urban Meyer needs to find that particular. I, I you know what I think. Had Brett Bielema not left the Big Ten, that that would have been his uh, his whipping boy. But um, yeah, I don't know. But maybe we'll see another uh, another team like that emerge. Hopefully, it doesn't you know come as a result of a, a really annoying upset loss. Mm, yeah. But we shall see. Um, actually, I you know what I have uh, I guess a second question. Then now that you brought up David Bowie, what's your what's your favorite David Bowie song? Oh man, I've been thinking about that a lot this week because there's so many good ones. It's hard to pick. I think. I think I had kind of narrowed it down to where I think if I had gun to my head and I have to pick one, it's probably Life on Mars. 
Okay, yeah, that's a great song. Um, I really love Suffragette City. I, I really enjoy that song quite a bit. Um, but if you're going weird, like I, because I, that's kind of more of maybe a traditional rock song, right? Mm-hmm. I and I really just appreciate how weird and and wonderful David Bowie was, and his music still is. So. You know, I've been trying to like listen to maybe the the new album they put out, kind of the jazz fusion, like the, it's, which is a it's a crazy album. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, you know what, Life on Mars, I'll take it. Or Moon Age Daydream, I, you know, I like enjoy that quite a bit. Starman, well, so. you could go, you could go Ashes to Ashes. I mean, there's so many, there's so many damn good songs. And yeah, I like, so you know what, some of the ones yeah, off the beaten path, like the Glass Spider from the Never Let Me Down album. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I really like a lot of his work. And the, the great thing about him was that he wasn't one thing. He was so many different things. It's like, oh, he's not Ziggy Stardust. He's not the Thin White Duke. He's, you know, he's this guy. Now he's this guy. He's now ever. he's this guy. And he just kept changing and pushing the boundaries. And it was just uh, an amazing artist. And, and yeah. it's uh, it's sad when you see one of those real pioneers like that uh, leave us. Yeah, but you know what? the The nice thing is, is that he's left an incredible legacy, and I think there's a lot of generations of people, especially. I mean, you know, because I talk with with kids a lot, and you know, because of his death, I think a lot of kids are now getting into that kind of music. Like, wow, let's let's find out about this this really weird dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think that's awesome. Did you so, ever get a chance to see him live? I didn't know, yeah. and I think he played his last like public performance in the early 2000s, something like 2005, right? Uh huh. Um, so yeah, that was a little before my, my really kind of awareness of, of David Bowie, unfortunately. I really wish I would have been able to see him. I was live, fortunate but. enough to see him in 1990 at Richfield Coliseum in Cleveland. That was, uh, uh, I bet that, was, that was a highlight, um, for me. And, you know, he was already such a big star that he played a fairly short concert and you left going, man, I could have taken another hour or two of that, but, but <laughs> it was, it was like perfect because it was like, you wanted more immediately. It's like, so you right. went home and started listening to the records, but it was a great tour and, um, it was great to see him live and getting that opportunity. And, and it's, it's a shame that he's gone, but like you said, so much great music left behind and, and movies as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good yes. actor. So he, he's yeah. done a lot of things and, uh, I'm going to be checking some of those out that I never got a chance to see. I've, somebody was telling me their favorite movie of his was The Prestige, but I've never, I hadn't gotten a chance to see that. He, one. He's actually excellent in that movie, and I think a lot of times when people uh, think of David Bowie, they think of, uh, in terms of movies rather, they think of Labyrinth, mm-hmm. which is just, boy, that's a weird movie. Uh, <laughs> but he is, he is actually very good in Prestige, and, and he just lends his kind of ethereal quality to that movie, and it, it's, it's great. So I definitely re- recommend you check that out. I will. All right, so that is the Dubcast for this week. Uh, we will continue rolling on next week. We're going to get signing days coming up, so we're going to have to bring Berm on here pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, maybe for recruits as we start to march toward that date. Uh, but until then, I am John Ginner. I'm Michael Citro. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace.